The first round had been partly reconstructive and partly meant to hide his identity, though he hadn't had a say in it. The more recent sessions spent under the knife had sought to undo what James Farrer had done to him just after the explosion two years earlier. At least his six-foot frame remained hard and fit, the result of his daily runs and his wife's cooking. Gray noticed a piece of fluff on his eyebrows and swatted at it, and was shocked to see half of the hairs fall into the sink. The bald area above his eye appeared bruised, and as he touched it the skin came off, revealing the bone above his eye socket. He was staring at the lump of flesh between his fingers when the door opened and his son walked in. "'Daddy, what's this?' Daniel held an inhaler in his hand, a cloud of gas escaping it. "'No, put that down!' He ran to his son, but with each step the boy seemed to get further away, and Gray's legs felt as though they were battling through treacle. He reached out a despairing hand towards the child as the skin on his fingers began to bubble and blister. He screamed, Tom! Gray was immediately awake. His wife looked down at him, and despite the poor light, he could see concern etched on her face. Same dream? Vic asked, caressing his face. Gray nodded, the same dream he'd been having for a year, ever since his friend Andrew Harvey had been good enough to disclose everything MI5 had on the virus Gray had been exposed to sixteen months earlier. Initially, Gray had hoped the inhaler that terrorist Abdul Mansour dropped was leaking harmlessly, but on arrival at the hospital to be treated for his knife wounds, he'd been whisked into quarantine with no explanation. He and four armed police officers had been kept overnight, but despite a series of tests, the doctors found no reason to keep them isolated. It was a few weeks later that intelligence operative Andrew Harvey had told him the truth, but only after swearing greater secrecy. According to Harvey, MI5 had suspected Mansour of carrying a variant of the Ebola virus. Lab tests, however, had revealed its true nature. Gray's relief at the time had been genuine, but the recurring dream suggested that subconsciously he wanted another son, another Daniel, and Mansour had robbed him of that possibility. "'I wish you'd see someone,' Vic said, but Gray once again shrugged off the idea. He didn't see the point in spending hundreds of pounds, even though it was money he could easily afford, and opening up to a complete stranger.' Talking it through with a shrink wasn't going to solve anything as far as he was concerned. A tiny voice broke the silence, and Gray leapt at the chance to escape the conversation before Vic could press her point. He walked through to Melissa's room and picked up his three-month-old daughter, cradling her gently and kissing her head before laying her down on the changing mat. He was quite adept at baby ablutions, insisting on doing his fair share so that Vic could catch up on her rest. He had a new nappy on Melissa within two minutes, and after another kiss he handed her over to her mother for a feed. The alarm clock told him it was almost five in the morning, and he had no inclination to go back to sleep. "'I'm going for a run,' he said, and slipped into a pair of shorts and T-shirt. After a few stretches outside the front door, he set his iPod to the start of an old, favourite rock album and headed down the driveway." As he approached the gates, he hit the button on a key fob, and they slowly swung open. Once through, he hit the button again and looked over his shoulder to make sure they closed after him. 
He jogged the three hundred yards to the main road and began the first of two circuits of the area, each one just over two miles in length. After forty minutes, he returned home and found the girls fast asleep. So he took a shower and prepared breakfast before settling down in front of his laptop. He checked his emails but found nothing that couldn't wait until he got to the office. So he went to the Foreign and Commonwealth Office website to see if any new travel warnings had been issued. As managing director of Viking Security Services, which provided bodyguards and combat training, it paid to keep an eye on the troubled regions of the world. Two cups of coffee later, he kissed the girls as they slept and crept out just before seven in the morning. The early start designed to beat the traffic on his way into London. He reached the office within thirty minutes and made a coffee before sitting at his.